there. This is Motley Fool Answers. I'm Allison Southwick, and I'm joined, as always, by Robert Brokamp and Dayana Yoakum, personal finance experts here at The Motley Fool. Today, we're going to head to the mailbag to answer a question that maybe even you might be too embarrassed to ask, but that's okay, because this is a safe place, unless you're wearing clogs, in which case Dayana is going to make fun of your footwear, <laughs> even though they are very comfortable and you have a long walk to work every day. Yes. I don't think I've ever worn clogs, actually. Good for you. Yeah, I'm not to try them. Do you have Crocs, though? Do you have I don't. No? No. The, you don't have house shoes? No. Slippies? No, I have Homer Simpson slippers, actually. Does that count? That's cool. Yeah, I'm cool. Now I know what to get Allison for her birthday. Different shoes? Yeah, just, but mostly Homer, Homer yeah. Simpson slippers. Bury me in my clogs. They're <laughs> fine. All right, so let's just get to today's question. And this comes to us from Matt C. When my friends start talking about investing, I just sort of nod my head and pretend to know what they're talking about. I've been doing this for so long, I'm too embarrassed to admit, admit that I don't know the difference between a stock, a bond, and a mutual fund. Help me sound smart. Now, to be fair, this is not a question, and a please would go a long way, but <laughs> we, are here, we are here to help you and all of you listeners, not just Matt C, sound smart. So we're going to start with some basics here, and we're going to define stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and we're going to make you sound smarter at cocktail parties, or at least yeah. know what other people are talking Actually, about. Actually, one of my favorite parts of Andrew Tobias's book, The Only Investment Guide You'll Ever Need, is a chapter buried at the end that says uh, basically lines you can use at a cocktail party to sound impressive. <laughs> and then he's <laughs> talking uh, ways to insert totally obscure investing terms into a sentence, and then just people are standing there looking at you in awe and and have no idea what you're talking about but no one admits right oh yeah you You just just nod and just go yeah yeah yeah, absolutely yeah you just drop the mic and walk away i got a guy you know oil oil prices pork belly features money figures yeah (laughs) so let's start off with stocks diana why don't you kick us off and define for us what is a stock stock. so when you buy a stock in a company you're not just buying a, a slip of paper or uh, stock certificates in the olden times, they'd give you those. You are actually becoming a part owner of that company. And in very technical terms, you are a shareholder. <laughs> you get to brag about being a shareholder. So with your bragging rights at cocktail parties are a bunch of things. For example, as a shareholder, you're entitled to take a portion of the company's profits. And that's either through dividends or capital appreciation, otherwise known as growth. Shareholders also get voting rights. So when it comes time to elect folks for the company's board of director or to vote on corporate policy, you, dear shareholder, get to vote. You get to cast your vote. Plus, technically, um, you, along with all the other shareholders, own the corporation's mid-century modern lobby furniture, the CEO's <laughs> mahogany desk, the broken copy machine. You you literally own a portion of this company. You just hold the certificate, walk into the building, <laughs> and say, I, I would like this. this. I demand... <laughs> A staple, not even, not a, even staple. a staple. No, probably, for huh? most of us, because how much of the company's profits uh, you get, how much your vote counts, how many staples you own is weighted by the number of shares of stock you have. So and most companies have like millions of shares outstanding. Right. right. And so you're, you still matter, but you're, right. you, you just are like half of a paperclip or something right. like that. But you right. are a shareholder. And that matters. It really right. does. So I, one of Tom and David Gardner's, they're the co-founders of The Motley Fool, uh, one of the stories that um, you hear when you come to work at The Motley Fool is how they got started investing. 
and they were at the grocery store with their father and they're walking down the aisle of the grocery store and their dad says I'm going to ruin this it's not my story so hopefully Is I don't ruin a, it I hope it's a slip and fall it's not a slip <laughs> and fall they're walking down the aisle and their dad says you know what we're going to buy some chocolate pudding and by the way we own stock in this company that makes this chocolate pudding so you should feel good about you, you get pudding so from a very young age these Tom and David Gardner are associated investing and owning stock in a company with getting to eat pudding which is great. Who doesn't like pudding? I do that with my kids. When we go to Home Depot or Starbucks, I say we're shareholders, which means we own part of it. So go in there, take some coffee, and run. <laughs> At <laughs> least cut in line. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe fire, fire some people. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Rehire them. <laughs> Rehire them. <laughs> On the way out. Yeah. So then... Is there anything like? Is there anything else we want to add on top of that? Well, stocks I think people might ask why does why do stocks exist at all? Mm-hmm. And and really, it's a way. Basically, the people who founded the company have decided to go public, issue stock. They're basically selling part of the company to the shareholders in order to get money to invest. So let's to say raise money, right? Raise money for the so, company to right. invest. In so something. the company, let's say they need to, they want to build a factory somewhere. Um, they will use the proceeds from issuing stock to do that. It's a way for them to grow their business. It might even be marketing or something like that. But they need that extra capital, so that's why they will issue shares. Cool. All right, well, let's move on to bonds, because this is considerably less exciting than stocks, I think. Right? Like, when people talk about investing in the stock market, it's, like, sexy, kind of. But when right. people, no one ever brags about some sweet bond they bought. No, but <laughs> which is funny because actually the bond market is bigger than the stock market. Part of the reason is because uh, stocks are issued by corporations, so are bonds, but also federal government issues bonds, state, local government. So it's actually almost twice as big. So what is a bond? A bond is debt. So if you want to raise capital, instead of selling part of your company as you would with stocks, you instead just you're looking to borrow money. So let's say you buy a $1,000 bond from it could be your local school district or GM. Three percent interest rate. You give, you buy the bond. They get a thousand dollars. They pay you thirty dollars every year until that bond comes due, and then you get your thousand dollars back. Could be three years, five years, ten years, twenty years. Generally speaking, the longer the time frame, the higher the interest rate. Uh, historically, much less volatile than the stock market, which is why people own them. People like retirees, things like that. But there is a difference. So you. The safest bonds of the world are actually treasuries issued by Uncle Sam. Uh, you get like two or three percent, maybe. Then there are things called junk bonds issued by companies that you know a little sketchy. You don't know if you're going to get your money back. They're paying like eight, nine, ten percent. It's the old risk and return thing. If you want to take a little more risk with your bonds, you might get higher interest rate, but you also might end up losing all your money. So then, it, bonds generally though less risky. Less ex- like you're going to make less money right. than you are with stocks, which are going to be more risky. And usually, like I feel like um, we're often told, well, when you're younger, you should own more stocks and fewer right. bonds. Then when you get older, you should own more bonds, fewer stocks. That's right. just all I think. About. I feel like it's like this kind of like yeah, which is balance. Why, what's so weird is why are bonds or have they been in the past such popular bar and bat mitzvah gifts? <laughs> you're giving oh, bonds really? to young people. You should be giving them a stock. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I still have one that's still mature, a bond that's still mature, maturing. What if I have a bond? This is kind of a selfish question. I think I maybe have a bond in like a dresser drawer somewhere that probably already matured. Mm-hmm. Am I still making money off of that? No. Oh. You're not. 
No, but I'm if sad. it's a uh, if it's a treasury bond or savings bond, you just go to your local bank mm-hmm. actually, and they'll take care of it. If it's a corporate bond, you gotta dig a little deeper for that. Uh, yeah. But about the performance part for younger people, for example, um, there's really only been one 30-year period since the 1800s when bonds beat stocks. All other 30-year periods, stocks have outperformed bonds. Now, when was that 30-year period? It was actually very recent, from 30 years starting with or ending with 2009 backwards. So right at the in the teeth of the Great Recession, when the stock market dropped 50%, mm. you look at that period. That's actually when bonds beat stocks. Um, so you know, there's there is risk with the stock market. Portfolio drops 50%. I think the worst 12-month period for bonds is like. A drop of seven or eight percent. So, so we could do obviously we could do a whole show on every single one of these topics. Right. So, but, right. but next time we're back here, I want to hear that you have taken that bond to the bank and cashed it in because you can be doing something better with that money right now. Yeah, awesome. hey. I'm and, curious now. Yeah, and also to, the, for people out there, if you do have bond, it's like it's like cash. If you lose right. it, it's like losing cash. Maybe I don't I don't think there's any way to really look it up. Uh, so when I when I say that it's in my dresser drawer, that's my way of saying I have no idea where <laughs> it is. Right. So my dresser drawer is this black hole keeper of all the things that I have lost throughout my life. And in there are some bonds. There's probably some T-shirts I borrowed from old boyfriends. I don't know. There's a lot of fun stuff in that dresser drawer. Some bad drawer. investments that you made. In the past. I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. I've never made a bad investment ever. In my life. All right. Let's move on. So. Socks, bonds, now it's time to talk about mutual funds. We pretty much all have them. Yeah, there are trillions of dollars in mutual funds, and I think right. something like 80% of people who are invested. I'm totally butchering the statistic. Everybody owns mutual funds. Right. <laughs> Let's just say that. Well, one of the big reasons is. 12% of people. Right. One of the big reasons is most people are investing through their 401k, 403b, and those are almost exclusively invested in mutual funds. Yeah. So, so, usually, so the first thing that pops in my mind when we talk about me defining a mutual fund is it's a basket of stocks. It so, Diana, take it away. Tell me about this right. basket of stocks. Well, this lovely basket of the stocks. The Easter Bunny shows up. Right. Yes. Yeah. So, it's assets. Not, it doesn't have to just be stocks. It can be bonds. It can be cash. It can be other securities. So the money used to invest in these assets in the mutual fund comes from a pool of funds contributed by many investors, those trillions of investors. So that's, they mutually fund it. Get it? It's a mutual fund. Yeah, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. (laughs) So when you invest in a mutual fund, you're actually buying a portion of the holdings of the fund. Uh, So most mutual funds are run by money managers. They decide how to invest the funds. And their decisions are usually are, are, are based on the investment objective set out for the fund or the goal of the fund. So, for example, if the objective is to find opportunities from overseas companies, they'll look at foreign stocks and other ways to get exposure to, to foreign markets. If they're looking for growth, the money manager uh, will look for companies that have more potential to increase in value and keep uh, less of the money in the fund invested in cash or bonds. And for income, same thing, they'll stick to fixed income or dividend-paying companies and invest more in bonds and those sorts of things. Yeah, and that's a good point. There are mutual funds and everything. For everything, yeah. Oil futures, Mm -hmm. I mean, you name it, there's some way to do that. And it's helpful because the average person may not want to go out and I'm going to pick out this particular oil future. They basically (laughs) have a a manager doing that for them. Right. So, of course, you pay for that fund manager 
to pick something and the, the fees you pay are taken directly out of your investment so every dollar that you're paying to the mutual fund company is a dollar that's taken out of commission for you it's no longer working for you you're paying the fund manager paying for the input from all of his staff his or her staff the other costs of running it like sales statements TV ads, salaries, all right. of that stuff. So the fees are really at the crux of what we at The Motley Fool look at when we're looking at mutual funds. What's yep. a typical, what is a typical mutual fund fee? By it varies way? by asset class, but you would say the average generally is 1.4, 1.5. Uh, bond funds are gen- tend to be cheaper. Large company U.S. stock funds are cheaper than like small international stock funds. Uh, but you, around 1% is about um, what most people would see. The average, if you take the whole average, is like 1.4, 1.5, and you're getting pretty high at that point. And that's for mutual funds that have a guy or gal in a suit. Right. Yeah, Moving money go, around. Couldn't the, be a monkey suit, gorilla go, suit. <laughs> the fees can go a lot higher than that, too. Right. Right. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, and just so everyone knows, we do have a bear suit and a chicken suit here at The Motley Fool, I believe. Yeah. So guys and gals in monkey suits, pants suits, whatever kind of suits, managing your money, that's not the only kind of mutual fund. Right. So uh, you can have a mutual fund that you don't really have anyone picking those investments. They're basically just copying an index. So the index most people are comfortable with or, or have heard of. S&P 500, Dow Jones. And what is an index? An index. Okay, so that is very good. Good one. Um, that <laughs> Reel is back. something that a company has created to measure a segment of the market. So the Dow and the S&P 500 were created so that we could say, oh, the overall stock market made 10% or lost 50%. It's just a way to measure a broad class of some kind of asset. So... Um, but their their index is based on all kinds of things: small caps, large caps, bonds, countries, bonds, treasuries. There's like the countries. you know the Russia index, or right. You know exactly all kinds of real estate indexes and things like that. Uh, but the great thing about it is, instead of hiring this team of people in all kinds of crazy suits, they're just copying whatever the S and P 500 does or whatever index it is. Now they do have to pay a licensing fee to, in this case, S and P Standard and Poor's. But it basically makes the costs something like 0.1% or 0.2% as opposed to 1.2, 1. 1.4. Now, you may think, well, that's not a big deal. When you compound that over 10, 20, 30 years, you are basically cutting your, your net worth by a third by the time you get you know, into retirement or yeah, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy how much it adds yeah. up. Well, and the performance of an index fund is often not too shabby. Like you might feel like your 1.4% is going towards the guy in the suit and it's worth money well spent because he's smart and he knows what he's doing. But the truth is, maybe not, maybe, I mean, index funds are fine. The market market does pretty well on its own. Right. In fact, it, it's, they're more than fine. Over the long term, index funds outperform the majority of actively managed funds, which is surprising. You'd think like if you're paying someone a lot of money to pick the stocks or bonds or whatever, they do better chances are they're probably not doing better. And one of the reasons they're not doing better is because you have to pay them right. to do it and the company that they work for. Right. It's yeah. almost, uh, it's mostly due to those costs, mm-hmm. actually, why it's so hard. All right. So then the last thing we wanted to talk about was not in Matt's question, but we're still going to talk about it, and that's CDs. Right. Uh, not the musical variety, which I guess fewer people even know about. I make a Christmas CD every year, and people tell me, like, I don't even have anything to play a CD anymore. It's very sad. Are they driving newer cars? It could <laughs> be. I mean, I think, yeah, probably. 
I still have an 8-track in my car. Not really. They can play in their computers, probably. Yeah. Whatever. Not, not my new laptop. There's no way to play it. Anyway, CD stands for Certificate of Deposit. Mostly, you get them from banks, although some brokers will sell them. So uh, the point here with a certificate of deposit, you can go to a bank, get a checking account, savings account. You put your money in. You have access to your money anytime you want. You have a certain interest rate. With the certificate of deposit, you're locking up your money. Six months, a year, two years, three years. But because you're locking up that money, you get a higher rate. Now, it's not a big deal these days. I mean, you get, you get something, according to bankrate.com, maybe 0.3% on your savings account. If you get a three-year CD, you're making 1.5, 1.6. But you do have to lock it up. Now, you, you can get the money if you need to, but then you have to give up three, four, five, six months worth of interest. Um, so, but it's safe. Most of them are FDIC insured which basically means if the bank fails, the government will cover that. Uh, so it's really for safe money. Uh, if you have a, an expense coming up soon, let's say your kid's going to college in three years, get a three-year CD, you know the money's going to be safe, it'll come due, and you spend it that way. You get a little more interest than you're getting right. in your regular checking or savings right. account. When but interest it, rates are, were, were normal, where you know, you'd get 3% on mm -hmm. your cash, the difference between savings account and a CD was much more... Yeah, much more worthwhile. Is a CD going to keep up with inflation? No, and that okay. is a great point. Um, and when you talk about uh, CDs, cash, or even bonds, that another word for bonds and these things is called fixed income because you get that same amount every year, but costs keep going up. So that's another risk of playing it too safe. You talk about 20, 30, 40 years, you're going to retire then. If you're just staying with quote unquote fixed income, uh, you might be losing out to inflation. Well, I think that covers Matt's question. I think we're going to help him sound more intelligent at cocktail parties, or at least when he's nodding his head and saying, yes, he actually does he know what they're He might want to consider about. getting some fake reading glasses, too. Oh, that is a really yeah. good idea. And a pipe. Go. A pipe. <laughs> I'm going to bring my pipe the <laughs> next one. Super intelligent. I'm also going to hope that I've been invited to a cocktail party, because I have <laughs> not been to a party that was labeled a cocktail party in years. Do the kids not have, I guess the kids don't really have cocktail kids parties. Do you ask for cocktails anymore? What do I know? I don't I, drink. I will ask for cocktails all the time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Alright guys, well before we go, Matt C. was very kind enough to share with us an embarrassing question. So I want him to know that we all have embarrassing questions. So I want to know an embarrassing question that maybe you I've been too afraid to ask until now, because again, this is a safe place unless you're wearing clogs. And so mine is, um, you know how there's always a person who you um, see them all the time and you don't know their name and you should know their name and you're like embarrassed because you've been introduced at parties and circles. So I kind of have the opposite of that where there's someone who works at The Motley Fool. He's worked here long before I ever started. And uh, his name is probably mentioned to me at least once a day. And I have no idea who this guy is. And it's it's Gertzy. Do you know who Gertzy is? Yeah. I know who Gertzy yeah. is. We all know who Gertzy oh is. Oh my gosh, how embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know who Gertzy is. My husband mentions him at least once a day. Oh, I was in a meeting with Gertzy. He's he predates me here at the Motley Fool. I have no, and I've even gone and looked him up on our online little like face looker upper thing and then promptly <laughs> forgotten what he looks like again. So I have no idea who does Gertzy it, is. Does it help at all that um, his first name is Mike? <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, we have like 11 Mike. mics that work here. There are people who have nicknames at the Fool, and, they, and that's their name. People Gertzy. don't really know what their real name is. Yours is well, Bro. Well, I know his real Mine name is, is Gertzweiler. Right. right. 
but I just don't know what he looks like, and his name is always. I'm getting haunted by the ghost of Gertie. He rides a bike. I know that. He rides. Oh, that helps too. We should just put a, a bunch of photos of him on Allison's desk. <laughs> <laughs> One You're of these <laughs> is Gertie. <laughs> Just and there'll be someone totally him. different. Yeah, right. There'll be a picture yeah. of Tom Gardner, and I'll be like, what? Really? Our CEO is... Oh God, I thought he was our CEO. All right. Uh, so, all right, Deanna, what's your embarrassing question? Um, what is Tinder? Okay. I hear the kids talking about okay. this at, all at right. the bars. So, <laughs> I know about this because I have had a long conversation with someone here at The Fool about it. I won't say his name because our listeners might recognize his name. They it's will not, recognize it's it. Not Gertzie, it's not Gertzy, though. It's not Gertzy. Okay, so Tinder is like an app on your phone. Uh-huh. And when a young person in their 20s or 30s gets on their phone, they flip through a bunch of pictures. And I think when they see the face of someone that they would like to have a special relationship with, they, they click on the picture and say, yes. And then if that person on their mobile app says, yes, I would like to have a special relationship with you. Um, and they click yes. Then the app says, hey, you guys both like the look of each other. You should get together. For a special rel- For a special relationship. For a special hug. <laughs> and then they never have to talk to each other again if they don't want to. So like, we're not talking like dating. This isn't like snap date or something I think, like that. I think you probably can put in your profile that you're looking to date someone, but I think for the most part it's oh, okay. about having an adult relationship with someone with no strings attached. So I, I, so I pretty much asked that question just to hear Allison explain it. That well was, done. That was well done. that was Thank very you. beautiful. Thank you. What a what a young twenty something man and woman, or maybe man and man and woman and woman, don't love each other very much, but just wanna have a good time. They so it's I think it's very popular in D.C. because people here are so into their careers that maybe they don't have the time or the energy to. Well, they've obviously got some amount of energy, but you know. Um, so I am a happily married woman, so let me add that I learned this is all secondhand, and if you want to know what it's really about, I will put you in touch with the person who told me. <laughs> so there you have a little a little practice with the birds and bees talk that you're going to have to give in another. <laughs> to my poor little girl. <laughs> yeah. All right, Hannah. You've got some time to work on let's it. Start, Don't worry. Let's start with Tinder. Let's start with Tinder. <laughs> all right. Robert, how about you? Uh, well... This may not be embarrassing to a lot of people, but uh, here at The Motley Fool, we have a service based on options, which are these very complicated strategies. We, pr- we may not even discuss them on this podcast, but there are a lot of we them. We just did. I, well, we just did. <laughs> and I should know them because I've had to uh, know them for various exams that I've had to take, certified financial planner and some license I had as a broker. But they have these funky names, some of these strategies like the long put straddle and the iron butterfly. Well, isn't there like an and iron the, condor? There's the iron condor. There's the corn dog. The iron corn dog. There's also one based on J Lo. I've heard. What? Looking at it. No, maybe I'm talking about something different. No, there's like, there's a uh, an index based on J Lo. I think. Oh, yeah. I thought it was like a chart that. No, it might be. It might be a technical analysis. Thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, I know what you're saying. We can't talk about that in a family. Um, <laughs> podcast anyways uh, there's there's like long guts short guts strips straps so people around the office especially in the investing group will talk about these things i'm just gonna nod and say yes yes i know exactly what you're talking about because i am too embarrassed to ask about it. now 
I feel like though it's possible that I'm not the only one. So one of these days I'm going to use up, I'm going to make up one of my own. Like yeah, I made fifty percent on my obese green straddle iguana. <laughs> And people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's awesome, dude. I know. You kind of can't tell the difference. Is it is it an Olympic event? Like, is it, is it a dive? You know, something from the diving <laughs> event? Or is it an investing term? Right. Yeah. yeah. So right. there you have it. I, I wish you luck in making money with your obese green iguana straddle. Or strap. It's, I mean, it's a different strap. type of strategy. It's a just kidding. It There's so exist. many. There's so many strategies. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today. If you have questions, embarrassing or otherwise, that need answers, we're here to help. And we're here at answers at fool.com. Also, if you would be so kind as to rate us on iTunes and maybe even leave a comment on how we're doing, we'd really appreciate the feedback. So for Robert and Diana, I'm Allison Southwick. Fool on. Fool on.